you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a J.C. softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, J.C. softball team. As long as, you know... Uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes. Sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you Hey buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast presented by my bookie. I'm your host, Mike Brenton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, babe, what's going on? Oh. Pretty uneventful weekend, huh? <laughs> Man, I thought we were coasting into the end of the season. Must champs replacement already been hired. We got Vanderbilt opening. Looked like Jeremy Pruitt saved his job. I thought mm-hmm. Gus did the same, but boom. Big news here dropped on Sunday, of course. Uh-huh. Gus Mal's on fired. And, you know, I think the strangest thing of this whole decision uh, i don't know if anybody you know pays attention quite like i do on, on these little facets just because i you know i live and breathe it and i'm on tw- twitter 24 7 when i'm on the job but there was no report or anything indication that this was happening and i'll tell you you can go on uh, anybody's timeline it'll be all at the same moment was the moment you know i i sent it out is because mm-hmm. auburn <laughs> emailed me and said hey we fired gus and I don't think, <laughs> as long as I've ever been doing this, I don't think we've ever, that's ever happened. It's always, you know, one of these reporters leaking the news. But uh, that tells me, Shane, they went into this Mississippi State game. Didn't matter what the outcome was. They were moving on from mm-hmm. Gus. The, they must have, uh, you know, finalized the money around, you know, I, or they probably already had that all dealed out. But uh, once it was done, it was done. They sent out the email and Gus Malzahn done at Auburn. Just uh, right after whipping up on Mississippi State, thoughts on that? Well, I thought it was kind of a surprise. I mean, honestly, we knew – I mean, both of us predicted Auburn to lose. So, obviously, we had this type of scenario playing out this weekend that Gus was going to get fired. But when they won by a couple scores, you thought, well, maybe Gus, you know, saved another week. This felt like – 
this felt like a at the end of the season type of deal. You know what I'm saying? It really surprised me after a victory that uh, that they decide to cut ties. I mean, just twenty. I mean, the ink wasn't even dry yet. Gus is in there dancing with his his players there. You know, it just uh, you could that just goes to show you just the disconnect with him in the front office, man. Yeah, without a doubt. And now keep in mind, you know, it's like that scene. I don't know if you've seen this movie, Shane, our listeners, hopefully most of you have seen it. My cousin Vinny, when he's trying to, you know, get his cousin off the murder rap and his fiance is bugging him and these locals are trying to to beat him up and all this. How much more can we pile on here? Well, Shane, we got the National (laughs) Signing Day in in about 72 hours. So uh, we've got to figure out what the hell's going on at Auburn and Vanderbilt. And do you think that was a dumb move? I mean... There, there. I think there's weeks that that Gus. I could have seen Gus getting fired, mm-hmm. but this close to National Signing Day. Do you think there's something that we don't know? Maybe a postponement or. Uh, oh no, there's not going to be any lines. postponement. I can guarantee you that. On, Jeez. I mean, it is what it is. This was not a. I think. I mean, it's it's good for. I, it's, let me say this, Mike. It's good for the players. They they have full disclosure mm-hmm. um, that Gus isn't going to be around. So that you know, but. On the other hand, I, I think it could cost them a few recruits, obviously. Yeah, and if you look at the recruiting ranking, Shane, I think, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say Gus got fired because of recruiting because Auburn annually, you know, finishes as a top five, top six mm-hmm. recruiter in the SEC, and, and I'm talking top ten nationally here if you're in the top five of the SEC. But Auburn's sitting here ranked 12th right now in the SEC, Shane, behind teams like Kentucky and Mississippi State. So I think that played a, a part in it to where, mm-hmm. hell, they're not even worried about losing this class because they're sitting here saying, well, who in the hell do we got committed here? We don't have, we've got five four-stars committed. So I think, uh, you know, some of these players maybe knew what was up or I don't know. Yeah. And, uh, and I, or, the neg- or, or the negative recruiting was doing its part because right. don't think – you know, you're going to hear a lot of coaches come out and talk about how great Gus he is, but I guarantee when they're sitting in the living room and saying, that motherfucker is about out of here. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you better come over here. <laughs> so Kevin Steele's been named interim coach, and I, you know, I think he's got a chance potentially to win, you know, be named the coach here, but I think it's a small chance. Uh, I yeah. think they're, you know, they probably already have someone in mind, and that's probably why I said, like, you know, coming off this uh, win over Mississippi State, which, you know, it was close for a good majority of it, but Auburn dominated the fourth quarter. We'll, we'll touch on that game here in a moment. But you win by two touchdowns, you fire your coach, you know, 12 hours later. There's there's other guys they're, they're fishing for, Shane, and I'm going to run down my list here real quick. First guy that came to my mind, Hugh Freeze. You got to mm-hmm. imagine that uh, he's out there. Mario Cristobal, it sounds like the Oregon coach, is a candidate. Uh, Billy Napier, the Louisiana coach, who's got his team going into the Sun Belt Championship uh, this weekend. Real, real quick, Mike, yes, on, on Napier, mm-hmm. I, I saw I saw you put something out earlier about him in South Carolina. Now, did he, did he turn down the South Carolina job? Now, honestly, I can't tell you either way, but I know they, I know they wanted him. I know they interviewed him a couple times. And it's, you know, you always got to wonder about the timeline here because if you recall, Napier put out a statement, I'm staying at Louisiana. 
And yeah. then about 15 minutes later, South Carolina's hired Shane Beamer. So it's that to me says South Carolina was down to two guys and one of them said no. Or, yeah. or you know, it very well could have been Shane Beamer. They said, okay, we're going to go Shane Beamer. Uh, Billy Napier's trying to get ahead of that and saying, okay, let's put out this statement. I'm staying at Louisiana. And you get ahead of that mm-hmm. so that – so that it doesn't look like you got passed on a job you wanted. So right. I can't honestly, truthfully say one way or another, but I know he was a candidate there at South Carolina, and and if he gets the Auburn job here, you know, I, I got to say that's probably a, you know, that's probably an equal footing, maybe even a little bit better job just, just because of the current state of the roster. So mm-hmm. he's one, and then the biggest one of all, Shane, and I've not heard this, but – Trusted guy. The first one I heard it say was uh, Matt Zinitz from AL.com. He's a really good SEC reporter here. He's saying target for Auburn is Mr. Lane Kiffin. And how <laughs> wild would that be, Shane? We, we all know how popular Lane Kiffin is in Oxford right now. It's, uh-huh. it's about the same as popular as he was in Knoxville his one year there. They were rocking and rolling, and then uh, he would never leave after one year, right? Well, he did it then. I'm not saying that's the candidate, but you want to talk about spicing up the iron bolts <laughs> and, and adding you know, more fuel to the SEC West. I, you know, I, For Ole Miss's sake, I certainly hope they don't lose Kiffin after one year. That would be ridiculous, but it mm-hmm. sure would make for a lot of storylines, wouldn't it? Yeah, it reminds me of the Matrix. Remember when Keanu said, oh, deja vu, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's the devil poking on uh, Kiffin's shoulder there saying, hey, remember what happened in Knoxville? I mean, because it's almost identical. Yeah. You got, you know, Tennessee was in a terrible spot. You know, he salvaged a pretty good season the first year he was up there. Then he takes the dream job. Mm -hmm. You know, now he's up at Ole Miss. Things are looking better. I mean, he's turned that program around, it looks like. And is Auburn his next dream job? I mean, there's a lot of people doing that. But, you know, I I just don't see him. I don't see him doing that, man. I I know he's on the short list, and it's probably maybe to get some more money out of Ole Miss. I just – I. Because you got to remember, a lot of these guys got the same agents yep. and shit like that. So it, this may also be a money grab for him. But uh, I, I just don't see him making the same mistake again. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'm sure we'll be talking about this Auburn job, you know, for the days to come. But it certainly sounds like Shane they're going to be naming a coach here pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And if it's not someone coaching in a if it's someone coaching in one of these upcoming conference championship games uh, in the week to come, mm-hmm. they're not going to name him, I wouldn't think, until you know Saturday or, or what have you. But if it's a coach that is not coaching in one of those games, I think they're going to get him in there before the early signing period begins on Wednesday. So that's something to, to watch, man. This might be real quick. They make a decision here. And I, yeah. I don't know if you saw the figure, Shane, but it's going to cost Auburn, if they buy out the entire staff as well, it's going to cost around $30 million. This is uh, – mm. so Dan Wolken nailed it, Shane. No firings this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's what I 
said, I said, anybody thank ABC for uh, picking up the tab down there on <laughs> Gus's staff? <laughs> oh man, I you know the, you never want to see this. I mean, obviously, you'd love to be the one that that watches your like Nick Saban just go out in the sun. You know, it just just wins, just just keeps winning championships. Everybody wants that. Mm-hmm. You know, but the fact of the matter is most programs will have a day that you got to let a guy go and, uh, you know, and and say what you want. Auburn has been disappointing. That program has had plenty of talent to come through there. They should they should have won more games. They should have been more competitive. So I, I think, you know, this is. This is sometimes a good thing, man. Good thing for the fan base to get, you know, look forward to. Because, like you said, Auburn is in a pretty good situation as far as the uh, what they got in the cupboards there, you know. So right. you find you a good coach that can, you know, do something with the weapons that they have. The next thing you know, Auburn's again competing for West Championship. So um, I, you know, you hate it, but you love it. So that's that's the nature of the beast, brother. Uh, did you see oh, one more name? Oh. I forgot to mention Shane and want to get your thoughts on this real quick mm-hmm. for the Auburn job, potentially Steve Sarkeesian, Alabama offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And we know he's been a head coach at Washington and USC and he's had some issues, but he's over those issues. It certainly seems like he's got NFL experience. He's a solid recruiter and probably the best thing going for Auburn is you steal him away from Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> You're hurting that program as well. So what are your quick thoughts on on his candidacy maybe there at Auburn? Well, is there any other fired USC coaches are after? I mean, how long is that list, Mike? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm 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 impartial, Steve. Um, you know, I'd like to go drinking with him one day, but I don't know if I want him heading my program. Uh, we we saw. I mean, he say what you want. USC is a is one of those programs that you know, should, you know, it should be a dream job. It should be one that you could stay there forever. It should be one that you should be winning championships, at least pack championships out there. And, you know, he, he kind of just squandered that away. And then, you know, he runs the program down there in Atlanta, you know, the Falcons, a lot of weapons. And I just, I didn't, and I know NFL's a whole different animal. What he's been able to do with Alabama is fantastic, but you know, you could plug a lot of coordinators down there and all of a sudden they look pretty damn awesome. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I'm, I'm just, I, I'm a little, I'm a little leery on, on any coordinators from, from Saban's rehab center down there. I, I just, I think those guys should, should try something else. Like you, you see the, uh, what's his name went up there to Maryland. Uh, Loxley. Yeah. Mike Loxley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think that should be a, the, the route that Steve's probably going to end up going is a smaller program proving that he can do it himself. He doesn't have to have, you know, the talent given to him. So after that, then, you know, I, I think it's, I think we're a step away from seeing Steve run a, run a big sec. Now I may be wrong. You know, right. I, I think uh, you, you look at Nashville, you look at Vanderbilt. I think that's the type of program I can see him going to, um, and, and then maybe moving up to maybe a top tier program in the SEC. But yeah, I just don't see Auburn wanting to pull a trigger on, on Sarkeesian. Now, let me throw this name at you real quick. Uh, uh, moving on to, uh, you know, the Vanderbilt job is still open. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stephen Godfrey, who I think formerly of SB Nation, now he works for 
what's called Banner Society, but mm-hmm. he's a really good uh, reporter when it comes to these coaching moves and everything. He's saying that uh, Army Jeff Munkin, who runs a triple option, and and Army's been killing it under uh, Jeff Munkin in recent seasons, and he's saying that the leading candidate for Vanderbilt right now. So what would you think about Vanderbilt going into a triple option type offense? Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not a fan of triple option in division one college football, yeah. especially in the, in, in the SEC, but uh, I can see some advantages. Obviously you think back Georgia tech, you know, teams like air force, army, Navy. I mean, these, these teams that do run triple options, it's not not a huge fan of that. I, I think, you know, you look at what – I mean, think about Vanderbilt's situation. Now, I, I watched this game. Um, I, we're going to get to it here in a little bit, Tennessee-Vandy game. But, you know, they have some pieces, man. They have some re- receivers really starting to emerge. They've got a quarterback that is showing some serious potential – they got a running game uh, with the law firm back there. I mean, when I watch Vanderbilt, I, I, I see a program that could look pretty scary here in the next year or two if developed right. And, and I think triple options a huge step backwards. I, mm-hmm. I think well, the pieces that you have there, if you can get some some sort of pro style, something like that, I think Vanderbilt could be in a pretty good spot here in the next year or two. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. That I threw that name out initially, and I could see – you know, Vanderbilt's got to be got to do something a little bit different, I think, to be competitive in the SEC. But they've already got so many problems recruiting. I think triple option makes it that much more difficult. And I think you hit the nail on the head. You got Ken Seals. You got a player to build around. Mm-hmm. You bas- you're basically running him off if you go to damn triple option because he, he's not going to play in that. That's you exactly- know what? <laughs> no, no. I mean, that's the, the 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 good things that you got going down. The good pieces you're about to scare them off. So let's don't do that. All right, buddies. Well, hey, well, I'm sure we're going to be talking about these. Uh, you know. Oh, Mike, you didn't mention the biggest coach hire. Did you? Did you see it? No. What was that? Oh man, Butch Jones landed a <laughs> job up there in Arkansas State, man. Yeah, he said he, he must be coming off uh, Tennessee's tab pretty soon. <laughs> yes, that is right. For those that don't know, February was the last um, the last payment that we had to make to old Moochin Jones down there. And he says, you know what, I go get a job. And he goes out there and people are saying, you know, I and I've heard it, man. I put it out there. A lot of people say, well, Tennessee signed it too, yada, yada, yada. But here's the deal, man. Think about all the great coaches that have come through. You think, like, look at Coach Morris. Not saying he's great, but it took him it took him half a season to find another job. Mm-hmm. And you know that I just think that should show you character. Uh, somebody that just says, you know what, I'm just going to take this money, and I'm not, you know, I'm just going to go down here and fetch Saban's coffee. That's all I'm going to do. And that he was content with doing it. He did. Obviously, he had opportunities to move up in in the Alabama program, but that was not his intentions. His intentions was to bleed Tennessee dry and, and take every single dime that he could. So, I just uh, I I just hope I I, uh, I hope Arkansas State's looking for another coach here in three years, just so I can make fun of them because they should. Uh, Jones, I mean, you know what I'm saying? That <laughs> it really it really bothered me. I've been saving a tweet because I was going to send it out in February. But then I saw this, and I was like, well, shit, I better get it out now, Mike. So 
Lyle Jones, get the hell out of the SEC, buddy. <laughs> well, all right, buddy. We had some good games here. Uh, mm-hmm. You ready to get to uh, some of these breakdowns here? And, and unfortunately, this is going to be the last time we got Gus Malzahn dancing in the locker room here. Let's see it. All right, uh, biggest game maybe oh. of the SEC this year. Oh, my gosh, Shade, L.S. Oh, baby, the Hope Daddy. Go all the road and beat Florida. And I don't know if you saw this, Shane, and, uh, you know, we let's not act like we saw this one coming, but at least we weren't let, as bad as these damn jackasses. Uh, let's kick it over to right before this this game happened on ESPN. The ESPN crew there, Joey Galloway and Jesse Palmer. Here's their reaction before and after the game. 30 seconds left. Give me a prediction for tonight. What do you want to see out of the Gators? <laughs> More of what you want to a see, not a score. Of what? This will be a blowout. We're just going to watch and see what Kyle Trask does to this LSU. I just want to see who from LSU is going to fight. It's a three-win season. Guys are opting out. you got the worst pass defense. You're starting a true freshman. <laughs> Look, Coach O wants to know who he can build around for yeah. that. It is what? amazing. Your reaction's all you need to know about what's been going on at LSU this year. Okay. We'll see how much fight they have left. Florida LSU coming up. We'll see you guys at the half. Hopefully Galloway's not still laughing about it. Tell you what, no one on this set laughing about it now. All right, so, man, I couldn't believe this one for so many reasons. Hell, we LSU just got the bowl ban. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. In addition to that ESPN comment there, Shade, uh, Game Day did kind of like a hit piece on Ed Orgeron and, and the future of his LSU program and how it's falling apart. Oh. We got all Americans opting out. We're starting a true freshman who's never – He's played a little bit, Max Johnson, but never started going up against a team that I thought not only was going to play, compete with Alabama for the SEC title, I thought could compete to win it all. Boy, man, this is uh, just a devastating loss. And I mean, I'm not trying to overstate it here, Shane, but this is probably going to be Dan Mullen's best shot to ever win a national title, I think, at Florida. I don't know if he'll ever have a team quite as good like this, and they just no-showed last game of the year, and and it just it kind of completely took the wind out of the SEC championship game for me. How, how about you? Yeah, I, I think so, man. And it really, I thought, weakened the conference. And I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, you had a couple of programs that were just running through the SEC. It was, it, you know, it was A&M, it's Florida, it, it – it's Alabama. We're making the argument that there's there's a potential that all three of these teams could be in the college football playoffs, and and it just put a huge dent in that. So now I, I know we're going to poke fun commentaries. We're going to you know, but you and I, there's I mean, if you look at our prediction, we did not think that this was going to be a game right. at all, uh, you know, but. LSU, credit to Coach O, man, coming in there, going to the Gainesville and coming out with a victory. Now, a lot of things, a lot of things had to go <laughs> their way. 
I mean, I don't know what kind of voodoo dolls they brought in there or, or what kind of deals they made with the devil, Mike. But I'm telling you, it felt like it felt like this team was cursed when I when they had that damn interception down there and it touched three people. And, you know, I mean, it was just like game of inches to get that interception right before a touchdown. I mean, that's just that just showed you that that the gods were smiling on, on the LSU Tigers that Saturday. Yeah, and, and, you know, one guy that's getting um, a ton of, obviously, you know, the end of the game, Marco Wilson with the damn shoe toss. Yeah. Uh, every Everybody's seen it by now. That kept the drive alive and, and won on the game. But, you know, I think uh, one of the, the lost storylines, and it shouldn't be overlooked, is the fact that LSU kicker Cole Tracy nailed a 57-yarder in the fog to win mm. the game. Longest kick in LSU history. So, certainly that's going to get lost given the fact that uh, – you know how stupid we're talking about Vanderbilt's <laughs> kicker. <laughs> well, that that too. No, no, no but I just mean how the the stupidity that that led to that game-winning attempt with the Marco Wilson shoe toss. I mean, that is that that is the one that's going to grab all the headlines, and I understand why. But we got to give this kid some some props for just nailing a fifty-seven yard. I mean, that's NFL. A lot of NFL kickers can't make that. You know what I mean? So. Jeez, Mike, I can't, I can't run 57 yards. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, this was impressive. And you know, my, my favorite storyline was, uh, or tweet I saw, I can't remember who said it, but it says, just when you thought Florida was a shoe in for the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do they still get in? Uh, I know, I know we're going to bash them here in a minute, but. They still get in, right? If they beat Alabama, you still put you still put them in, right? Maybe I don't know. This loss to LSU. Oh. I mean, LSU was three and five, down to fifty-four scholarship players. Derek Stingley's but you can't out. Leave an SEC champ true out, freshman man. quarterback. I mean, this is uh, this is going to be too hard to overlook. I think. I mean, I'm putting it at the only chance I think Florida has of getting into the playoff. Mm-hmm. Alabama's got to be at a hundred percent. Like they can, like there cannot be any freak injuries or anything, which certainly we're not hoping to see. And I think Florida's just got to beat the hell out of them. Okay. Like I, I think a, I think a three point win over Alabama. I don't know even if that's good enough to get Florida in. I really don't because I think because of this one. And and here's two things, Shane. We kind of hit on this. You know, I'm, I'm not. I'm trying not to shit on Florida too much here, but. There's only one other time that I remember this season mm-hmm. where Kyle Trask and the Florida Gators had the football and it was in their pans late in the game and they had to go win it. And do you remember what happened? Mm-mm. They couldn't do it. They turned the ball over and Texas A&M took the ball and drove you know, the field and kicked the field goal to win it. Same scenario here. Yeah. But how, again, I'm not trying to trash Kyle Trask because we've been saying for weeks, give this guy the Heisman. We've had two situations. I know he's been outstanding. He's put up all these numbers, and he needs to be recognized. He needs to be an All-American. He should be a Heisman finalist. But I think he lost it, Shane. I think he lost it here because he's had two opportunities now to win the game for Florida. He's not been able to get it done. I don't know how you give a guy a Heisman when he's uh, come up short in those two situations. Thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. No, I think you're exactly right, man. This is – Unfortunately, if this if the season would have ended two weeks ago, I, I think it was his. Mm-hmm. 
He was a shoe in. <laughs> but I, can I reuse it? I don't know. I probably can't. Uh, that's terrible. I'll stop. I'll stop. That's so how about uh, let's let's praise the other guy though, real quick, Mag Johnson. Going on the road now. He's looked decent in his other games. I, or you know, not bad, but not. I've never seen him play and be like, "Wow, this guy's the future." <laughs> Tonight he looked like it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he he didn't look necessarily like an All American, but again, Atlas shoes down all these guys. Uh, Kayshawn Butte, the true freshman, at 108 yards receiving and a touchdown. He played great. Jare Jenkins. I mean, half these guys, I don't even know who who they are catching the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet Max Johnson goes in there, the son of Brad Johnson. Uh, again, we got to go to the parents every time he oh, makes a God, play. Oh, God, I know. Because it, it's, it's not a team sport. It's a, who's his daddy? Who's his mom? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I told you, I, if they could get rid of parent cams, it would be awesome. Because, w- listen, if Johnson wins this gig, Max Johnson, I mean, and how can you not? I mean, could you imagine every freaking game? They did this with Luke Del Rio's dad when he was up there. It was like constantly looking over there. I was just like, God, we know. We get it, you know? Hear the same <laughs> damn story every time. Anyway, I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, with all the all the turmoil, Shane, mm-hmm. going into this one, LSU gets it done against a, a hated rival on the road. So let's kick it over to Coach O on this one. On uh, You know, the, the teams, can, they're continuing to fight for him. And that's the most impressive thing, I think, particularly this year with with opt-outs and the season. You know, they've already had the bowl ban and many, many teams we're seeing across across the country. They're saying we're not even going to play in the bowl games. People getting destroyed here, yet the Tigers have not given up. So he talks about that. He, he had a fantastic line on the shoe toss here. And then last thing here, this is kind of the most important one, I thought. Could this be the turning point for his program after so such a uh, you know bad couple of weeks let's let's kick it over to coach o hey coach uh, about to get to go on set and do this game uh how about that where did this fight come from and you talked about it the guy's not yeah. good, but man i mean you guys lose players left and right mm-hmm. and um next man up i mean nobody plays yeah you know, man, that was impressive yeah, we saw it all week, and uh, that's what i said you know it was a 24-hour rule uh we were very uh disappointed the way we played uh, but we fought. We stuck together as a team. And, you know, it's the first time for a lot of these young players in the swamp. They believed in each other. They blocked out the noise and did a tremendous job. Yeah, and uh, before Kay went out for that kick, did you say anything to him, or, or did you feel like uh, you didn't need to? You no, know, I, didn't, I didn't want to mess him up. <laughs> so let him go. But, you know, I talked to Mac, and, and obviously I said, Mac, what do you think? He said, we're going to make it. And uh, we're trying to get to the 33, and, and uh, that was his range. But hey, we went, decided to go ahead and, and try it. We, uh, tremendous job of getting the Mayday out there, and a tremendous job of protection, and a tremendous job of Cade. Hey, and I mean, it looked like you guys were stopped on third down, and then it literally, you know, a guy threw a shoe. I mean, yeah. I mean, what what are you seeing? Like, what's what's that emotion like on the sideline when you're probably about to punt, and then a guy throws yeah. a shoe? Well, I was happy, to be honest with you. Maybe some people were disappointed, you know, that it happened. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it, you know, I can't talk for them, but it was a penalty that, you know, obviously I know Coach Mullen didn't want that guy to do that, and it was a break. We needed a break, and we got a break. It's just kind of a follow-up on that question. Have you ever won a game because an opponent threw a shoe? No. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been in a game when an opponent threw the shoe, to be honest with you. I think it was a great job by Stringfellow of loosening up that shoe before the play, you know. <laughs> Did you see it when it happened? 
No, I did not. I just saw I just saw three flags on the ground and I was happy. And with your true freshman quarterback today, Max Johnson getting his first start. What did you see from him today? And it seemed like he had some crucial drives in this game. Yeah, week. you know, the, the ability to run the football at the beginning, we saw him scramble and some quarterback draws. Uh, I thought he made some good decisions with the football. Chris throws. Still some stuff to work on. But, you know, I believe in Max and TJ. I think they're two excellent young quarterbacks. Yeah, and were there, were there certain things you you saw this week from your team that kind of showed you were going to get yeah. this kind of fight from them this week? Yeah. I saw great practices. I saw one, two. I saw them coming early to meetings. I know these guys like my kids. I know they was hurt on Monday, but you know what? We said, hey, we're going to beat Florida in the swamp. It's going to be a great deal. We believe we've been there before. And I just thought the guys stuck together. I thought there was great leadership. Our coaches stuck together and the adverse situations, all kind of stuff flying out there. You know, hey, let's focus on a great game plan for the Florida Gators. But I got to give the credit to the players. They're the ones that got it done tonight. Coach, uh, Steve Moulton, WZZN, you mentioned about uh, that 2017 season of coming in a week after you lose to Troy. Tell me, uh, comparison-wise, how big of a, a win is this for your program? Coach? Huge. And I told the team that last night. And I told the coaches that last night. Then we was in the same room. I said, you know what, guys? When we beat Florida, this could be the building blocks turning around our program, just like it did in 2017. There's a lot of young players uh, we played a very good football team. That's the, just the best Florida team that we have faced, and especially offensively. And I think that uh, gives our guys some confidence, some building blocks. And like I said, we're building a championship team. All right, Shade. So I wanted to ask you this. Are you buying in what uh, Coach O is selling there? Is this, this a turning point potentially for his program? Dude, how can it not be? I mean, think about it. We're talking – this is a powerhouse. This is a team that people thought were going was going – that had an opportunity – to be in a college football playoff, you know? So for, for as rock bottom as LSU hit, I mean, we were talking rock. We have opt outs. We've got, you know, quarterback controversy. I mean, anything and everything that you could throw on the LSU Tigers, they, they had it and they overcame it. They went to Gainesville and beat a top five team. So uh, yeah, I'm buying it, man. This is, this was the game that these kids needed to build off moving into next season, man. This just shows you. That's the thing. A lot of people thought LSU wasn't talented. LSU's extremely talented. They're just young. They just they haven't played a complete game yet. It, it seems like every time there's a, a there's there's one position that that falls short and they end up losing ball games. And this is and I'm not saying this was a complete game, but it was definitely a step in that direction. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's flip it over to the other side, Shade. And, you know, aside from Marco Wilson, I'm seeing all these Gator fans that continue to bag on Todd Grant and the defensive coordinator. It's even the media. I mean, the media is asking them. They legit said, you know, defense has been god-awful this year. Another person asked, you know, are, are you thinking about making a change in all this? And I'm not saying that uh, Florida's defense has been dominant here, particularly – all the issues we just said with LSU, true freshmen, all these unknown players for, or young players. Yet to me, you know, first drive of the game, Shane, Florida marches down to the one or two yard line. Mm-hmm. They go for it. They don't get it. That's not on the defense. Uh, Trask threw a pick six. Trask threw another interception in the red zone. Uh, there was, I believe, three straight possessions late in the game 
Yeah, three straight, three and out, three and out, three and out. They had a chance to win it there at the end, didn't get it done. So I guess my question to you, Shane, is uh, are you putting this all on the defense? I I feel like I'm taking crazy pills over here. I don't know, Mike. I mean, part of me wants to say yes because you look at the scores, but, you know, I I think think Todd – He's kind of a scapegoat right now. Mm-hmm. Like, like they have to blame somebody for this loss. And and yes, you could say, I mean, you could easily say that the, the defense had some. I mean, they there was there was breakdown on that side of the ball. You know what I'm saying? Right. But there was also breakdown on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, how how can we not factor in third down efficiency? You know, how, how, there was a lot of time, a lot of cru- the a lot of times that we weren't able to extend drives and get these guys a break. The the t- you know it just I don't know. I special team. I, I just there's a lot of things that that happened. But it, we talked about the 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 craziest interception ever seen in college football. That had to happen for LSU to win this game. I mean, so I'm not going to sit back and blame the defense. I, I would. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, man? I, I know I'm just rambling here, but uh, it, it, you can't just blame one guy for this loss. I don't think so. I, I think he was a huge. I think he was a factor. I think the defense was a factor, but I don't think he was the only factor in this thing. Mm-hmm. Well, if there's one guy to blame, Shane, let's kick it over to him because I think it's Dan Mullen for not having his team prepared to play. Uh, I mean, this uh, this was a comical exchange to, at the beginning. He's asked about Barco Wilson and could he see everything and, and everything. Uh, he talks about why Kyle Pitts didn't play, and we haven't mentioned that yet. He's, you know, he sure as hell looked uh, healthy against Tennessee, and now he's sitting out a, a game they didn't need before the SEC championship. How mm-hmm. convenient. He's asked about Grantham's hot, hot seat. And then finally making some more excuses here on if Florida should get into the playoff with a win next weekend, maybe they should have played less games. Well, could you see what was going on in the field? Because we couldn't even see, like, from where we were sitting. Oh, with the fog? Oh, yeah, we couldn't see. Yeah, I could see it. What did you see with Marco Wilson's decision? Oh, I didn't see that. I don't know, you know. I mean, I guess guess that's a penalty. I I have no idea what happened. I didn't see it. Uh, Kyle Trask overall, I mean, three, three first-half turnovers per rally. Yeah. What would you think of his effort? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, I mean, you, you just look. I mean, you, you, all the things we did, you can't, you can't win doing what we did tonight. No matter who, what's going on, who you're playing. You know, we lose the turnover battle. You know, we turn it over three times, minus three turnover ratio. We don't score touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, we can't make key stops um, when we need to defensively, and we lose the special teams part of the game. So. I mean, that's it's a it's it's not a very complicated deal. Uh, give our guys credit; kept battling, kept fighting. Uh, thought our guys played hard, and uh, you know, just just give them credit. They kind of seemed to make it the plays they needed to make to win, and we kind of made every play you needed them to lose. Again, it was a. A little bit of a lackluster performance. I mean, it doesn't look. It didn't look like the guys were that motivated out of the gate. Can you? Do you have? Can you put your finger on that? Is that? No, we were motivated. You know, I mean, the fact that I, you know, we come over and turn the ball over three times in the first half doesn't help.
And, and what about what? I mean, can you do anything with this defense? This thing's been this has been god awful all year, even though you haven't maybe given up a lot of points. But it's like the defensive lapses week in and week out. I mean, is, is there anything you can do at this point? You just gotta kind of live with it. And yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it, you look at it on the night. You know, I mean, we, we, we made some good stops. We just did things you can't do, you know. I mean, we have a missed assignment to give up an easy touchdown. Uh, we, we get the stop at the end to win the game pretty much and we get a personal foul. You know, I mean, a stop at the end of the game where we're going to have the we're going to have the opportunity to go win it. The late scratch of Kyle Pitts, we did see him warm up. What went into that? Was it just? Yeah, I mean, he was he was injured, didn't practice at all this week. Didn't practice one day this week and uh, went out there and was going to try to warm up. He really wanted to play, but not practicing and not being 100%. We just didn't think that um, it was it was the right thing to put him on the field. Um, you've been pretty vocal at times this year about uh, being confident in kind of what Todd's doing on defense from a scheme standpoint and all that. Mm -hmm. At what point do you start to further evaluate that maybe given the consistency of the issues? Uh, if If I look like we're unsound or poorly coached. And do you feel that way right now? Or I haven't watched. Not, not really. We've played pretty good defense for a lot, good part of the year. We've made some critical mistakes. and uh, We'll watch it. And, you know, as you continue to evaluate, you evaluate the, the whole picture and the whole package of it all. And, uh, you know, we'll do that. I'm, I'm pretty confident with Todd. Again, um, on TV, they said that you thought you were a two-loss SEC champion would get into the playoff. Do you think if you beat Alabama next week, you – this team deserves being in the playoffs? I, I, I don't have a vote on that. I'm not in the room. You know what I mean? I know we've played 10 games, right? So I guess probably the best thing to do would have been to play less games because you seem to get rewarded for not playing this year in college football. But I tell you what, I give our guys a lot of credit, the competitors our guys are, that they want to go out there and compete every single week. Uh, you know, that, that we face a lot of injuries. We face a lot of adversity. We've, you know, we've played shorthanded a lot of games. Uh, and then we have no control. We have no control over anything but whether or not we win next week. That's all we can control. If we win next week, we're SEC champs. I, we can't, I can't control more than, than that. That is all we control. And um, good question, I guess, for the, for the committee and, and for everything. That, that's their deal, what, what's important, you know? Um, I mean, if there wasn't three turnovers, this probably isn't a game, you know? So, I mean, <laughs> right, right. I, this is what Florida does. This is what Florida is. You know, LSU was doing this last year and nobody was saying anything. They were saying, oh, well, the defense could improve. And it did in, in crucial times. But Florida offense just it stumbled at times and they just got behind, man. They just, they just got behind the eight ball. So any thoughts here? What do you think? I've already shared my thoughts. Any chance you think Florida gets into the playoff? They're they're currently ranked now. I know it doesn't matter too much in the, uh, you know, AP and coaches poll. Those those don't factor in at all. But they're they've both dropped them to a number eleven. So you got to think the playoff committee is probably going to put them eight, nine, ten, eleven, somewhere in that range. Can they jump back into that top four with a win over Alabama? Do you think? Yeah, I think so because it would be it would be criminal. To, to leave a SEC champion out of the college football playoffs. How can you yeah. say, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you've got a team that, that beat somebody. You know, Alabama's in either way. I truly believe it. So even if they right. lose to Florida, they're going in. But so how can you throw Alabama in there after losing to a team like Florida? I think 
Florida winning is the only opportunity to get multiple SEC teams in the college football playoffs. Hey, last thing on this game, I just wanted to mention these guys before we moved on, but Kadarius Tony, my goodness. I mean, he played yeah. probably the hardest I've ever seen a player play this season. Nine catches, 182 yards, touchdown. He was all over the place, 56 rushing. He did. He was focused. He was ready. He did mm-hmm. everything he could. And uh, after the game, you know, final game, they're taking a knee at midfield. You could, you know, that's kind of why we love college football because to some of these guys it means everything in them to, to play well in this game. Definitely. And then uh, Copeland, five catches, 123, and a touchdown. So he's starting to emerge for the Gators. So just wanted to recognize those guys before we move on. All right, Shay, before we move on here, I want to remind the listeners we're brought to you by my bookie. Head on over to mybookie.ag today with that promo code THATSEC. It's the most wonderful time of the year, Shane. <laughs> we all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket. And we all deserve to have a little fun. So the only place you're guaranteed to get all three, you know where that is, Shane. Mybookie.ag, the only sports book that doesn't care whether you're naughty or nice this year. We got gifts for everybody. <laughs> Sign on up. Today, receive a ultimate stocking stuffer, a 50% deposit match up to $1,000 using that promo code, that SEC. That's T-H-A-T-S-E-C. Head on over to mybookie.ag. They got uh, NFL football, college football, college basketball, NBA, NFL, MMA. They got it all. Head on over to mybookie.ag today using that promo code, that SEC, head on over to my bookie. Made the make the most of your holidays this weekend and strut into 2021 with some cash in your pocket. Doesn't that sound good, Shane? Oh, I love cash, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, head on over to my bookie. All right, Shane. So they're going to meet uh, Alabama. We already know in the uh, SEC championship game. And my goodness, Shane, <laughs> okay. this thing was tied up three apiece. I was like, all right, I was feeling good. I mean, this was your lock of the week, and I was right there with you. I was going to say, can we just skip this one? <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, oh, my God, they they ran off 49 consecutive points, made the Arkansas Razorbacks look like they looked last season. Mm-hmm. Hell, I think, uh, I think Arkansas gave Alabama better fights than this in, in recent seasons. I think this was, again, this is what I've been saying all time season uh arkansas just not going to have the depth or the roster to really compete or in a 10 game sec schedule here and it was it's kind of criminal to ask them to do it but uh they kept showing up felipe franks banged up couldn't protect them couldn't do anything on the outside and yeah this was almost like uh you know this was just business as usual this is the difference here between no no disrespect to dan mullen but this is the difference between Alabama coach team and a Dan Mullen team, they don't take any games off, even if it's uh, an Arkansas team that stood no chance. I mean, Alabama's just a machine right now. Oh, dude, they absolutely. And this is something we talked about going into this game is just how prepared this ball club has been at every game that they've had this year. And this one, man, this one kind of surprised me. Yeah, the, the You know, this was senior night. This is this is because this is a this is an older group. I, I just felt like there would be a little bit more fight. Um, there was a little bit of give up on the end, so that that was discouraging. But 
um, it's it's hard not to when Alabama just ran wild in the second quarter. I mean, this game was over at halftime. So um, kudos to what Arkansas has been able to do this season. But I, like you said, that that competitive depth really is getting exposed here at the tail end of this season. Give Sam a few more years to build that, to build that pipeline up. And, and I think they're going to be in, in a better shape, obviously, moving forward. But, uh, you know, playing Alabama at the end, golly, that's a tough draw, brother. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to uh, Nick Saban and Sam Pittman real quick, just back-to-back, because neither, neither one of them really spoke for, t- for too long. And, and, hell, Saban's already looking ahead to uh, – championship game and Pittman's trying to figure out how in the world he gets his team up to this standard here in the SEC. (laughs) Um, You had a stretch there where your offense was scoring every time and not giving up any first downs. You talked about playing to a standard. Can you just kind of reflect on that stretch of the game where you were dominant on both sides? Yeah, well, we didn't start great. They had a pretty pretty good drive together. We stopped them in the red zone. you know, we had we struggled to run against it. We had to make some adjustments early on, uh, find out how they were playing us. Because last week against Missouri, they played completely different than what they played today, but they had played this way earlier in the year. So, um, but I think after that first, I think we gave up like 76 yards or something early in the game. And then we went for a good little stretch where they didn't make the first down. Uh, and I think we started, started getting some momentum on offense and, moving the ball and scoring touchdowns. So uh, pump return was big at the beginning of the game. Um, so uh, I thought we started out a little slow in the game, but I was pleased with the way the players sort of responded as the game went on. Uh, Nick, considering the way the defense has come along in the second half, I wonder if you just contemplate where this team stands going into the SEC championship game, uh, really overall compared to some of your other teams. Well, I, I think that, you know, we're certainly going to be challenged in a different way with the, the type of quarterback and uh, passing game that Florida has. And uh, I think we, you know, have to show that we can stand up and, you know, play against a team like that. But uh, I do think the team has made a lot of improvement throughout the, the year on defense. We had, you know, four out of five uh, new starters in the secondary, made a lot of errors in the season. I think, you know, the players have gotten a lot more confident in what's expected of them. Um, but it's going to take a great team effort in every part of our team to uh, be able to win the SEC championship. The offense might play well. We're going to have to do a really good job on special teams and uh, obviously play, you know, even better on defense. Yeah, just want to check and see with Najee Harris. Uh, he didn't come back to the game uh, after the second quarter. Yeah, so we just took him out. I mean, it was 45-3. to three. Uh, So we took Smitty out at halftime. Nothing wrong with him. Uh, a lot of guys we took out, there's nothing wrong with them. We just chose not to play them anymore uh, so that nothing would happen to them so they could play next week. Yeah, just how overwhelming was that, that pass rush at times for, for your line to hold up against? That looked pretty overwhelming to me. I mean, they got eight sacks. So um, we were having trouble with the line games. Uh, they were running back behind the center. Um, we were having trouble uh, picking them up. Uh, I've had trouble picking them up when I was at Georgia with arguably the best line in football. Um, we have to, you know, and I thought we stayed in third and manageable pretty good, you know, in the third, in the first half, but we couldn't convert. And, and uh, 
you know, we have to, we have to figure out how to move the pocket, you know, because we can't, nobody can just sit back there against Alabama and, and, uh, you know, we, we thought we could hit some little quicker throws and evidently they weren't open. I had to watch the film to figure out why we were holding the ball. Sam, I know you guys, or you've talked about, you feel like this team deserves a bowl game. Um, just how do you feel, you know, now that the regular season's over, but but moving forward, and do you feel good you guys will get a bowl bid and that the players will want to play in a bowl game? Well, I wouldn't have any idea why the players wouldn't want to play. I mean, one game doesn't define the season. I mean, we got we got our butt kicked bad today, but that's the only game that we that we did, and and. In a regular season, when you beat three SEC teams, you usually, uh, you know, have three or four wins in a non-conference game, and that's six or seven wins, and you go to a bowl game. I want to because I want to practice with this team. I want to have a few days with the younger kids. Uh, you know, teams that don't go to bowl games, they lose about 15. They lose a spring ball on everybody that does. And uh, – Obviously, if we don't think practice is important, then uh, we wouldn't want to go to a bowl game. But we do, and, and we want to. Coach, is, is your message to the recruits that you have committed right now that, hey, we need you to come in and, and fight for some, some playing time and, and try and help improve what, what you've already started in this season? I think that's probably the message that you give to – every single class and no matter where you're at, you know, because if you don't give them hope that they have a possibility to play, um, you know, then they're, you're probably not recruiting them as high as they want to be, you know, but we certainly need guys to come in here and help us. Um, we have to get bigger, you know. Um, we've lost two kids in, in practice to, to concussions and things of that nature that, um, you know, been unfortunate. Uh, but our depth, you know, from COVID and from injuries and things of that nature, um, our depth is, you know, guys, y'all don't have any idea what going through COVID and opt-out and injuries are about. I mean, none. I mean, you basically put your, your team together on Friday because the test comes back on Thursday. And, uh, so there's a lot that goes into all that stuff. And and uh, so I think we'll have a deeper team. Uh, hopefully if the vaccine gets out and things and our depth will be better and kids aren't, you know, afraid of the virus. And, you know, at that point, the virus, the opting out would be a thing of the past. And I think our depth's probably better um, than, than, than it looks simply because of, of the virus and of of opting out. All right, Jade. So how great is that? I mean, Saban even found a, a way to kind of complain about they started slow in this uh, fifty-two to three win here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the Saban way, man. And they're they're moving on. They're locked on, and, and now they're going to play the Gators. And uh, you know, I guess the last thing I I really got to say about this one, Devonta Smith, he had his first punt return touchdown. And they tried to twist his damn ankle off. I don't know if you saw that. That was a mm-hmm. that was a poor look there for the Razorbacks. But you know, could this be? We we've already been seeing the growing 
momentum for Devonta Smith to to be a Heisman, you know, leader. Mm-hmm. Hell, I think he's he's emerged. He's already a contender. He's been a contender, but uh, that that's kind of was a slow progression here with uh, with Kyle Trask having his struggles. We've already said we don't think he can win it now. Let's not go maybe that far because let's see what happens in the SEC championship game. But let's say that uh, Alabama dominates it and Devonta Smith has a huge game. Mm-hmm. Is he? Do you think he'll be the Heisman winner? Um, maybe. I, I really do think that this does come down to the SEC championship on, on trying to figure out who, who's the Heisman winner here. Uh, because it's big, bigger games, you know, have more eyes. Not a lot of people watching this Arkansas game. I'm just going to be honest with you. Right. Outside right. the fan bases. So, uh, myself included. I mean, I, 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 kept, I, find, I kept finding myself drifting away from it, especially when, uh, when things started getting out of hand. So, um, and that's not fair for that's not fair for Jones. That's not fair for uh, for Smitty. You know these these are two guys that need they need yardage. They need receptions, and they're not going to get it in a game like Arkansas because they could just turn around, and hand it off, and just run the clock out. I think you're going to need it. Even though Florida stumbled against LSU, they still put up thirty something points, and they've not had any trouble moving the ball against the, the defenses that they've that they face. So I think if anybody I think the Heisman honestly gets decided in that SEC championship game. All right, Shane. Well hell, let's uh jump ahead to potential next Heisman winner. I'm looking a season ahead here. Georgia goes on the road, just destroys Missouri forty nine to fourteen. And I reference next season's Heisman because JT Daniels the hype train continues, man. 299 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He's got a real connection there with George Pickens. Five mm-hmm. catches, 126, two touchdowns. And maybe the biggest story here for George, I mean, their running attack, 316 yards, four touchdowns, four different players scored a rushing touchdown for the Bulldogs. And this game, Georgia jumped out to a to a 14-0 lead. Missouri mm-hmm. – it seemed like Missouri threw everything they could at the Bulldogs to get back in it. They blocked a punt, scored a touchdown off that, and it looked like it might have been a ball game. Yeah. But then just just the depth and the talent of Georgia just won out, and it was just completely not competitive after just that 14-point spurt by Missouri. And again, not trying to – I guess I am trying to hype up Georgia, uh, but I, I think they're going to be preseason number one. And I mean, they're because they're just marching towards the end of this schedule. They're just wrecking people. And again, this was a Missouri team that was looking for its uh, sixth win in seven games, I believe. They were one of the hottest mm-hmm. teams in the SEC, and they stood no chance in this one. Aren't you a little pissed off though, if you're a Georgia fan? I mean, seeing this because this this isn't athletes that you just all of a sudden discovered on your team. They've been there the whole time. It was just it felt like it was mismanaged and almost forced. Mm-hmm. It felt like JT coming out there was a forced situation against Mizzou. Or not Mizzou, but uh what was it? Mississippi State. Is that was his first game, I think? Yep. If you think about it, if you think about this, Mike, uh this game was originally scheduled right after that Florida game. So right. uh, it, we talked about it. If these guys would have met back then, Lord knows what would have happened because I, I liked Mizzou's situation back then a lot more than I liked Mississippi State. Mississippi State gave them a damn fit, you know, just trying to get get them acclimated and everything. But since then, 
they've been on a they've been on a tear. Now they they've only played South Carolina. They you know now they played Mizzou, but uh, at Vanderbilt. So you're not going to get you, you you're not going to get a, a I guess a a true feel of how good this team can be. But uh, damn, I'm telling you what, there were some there were some plays out there that I Pickens. It's a shame that that we're just now seeing. Uh, the potential. When I see Pickens, I always think about him. I always think about like Des Bryant, you know, when, in his prime mm-hmm. in Dallas. Uh, it's just like almost like Keyshawn, just give me the damn ball, and they're finally doing it. And uh, and he's making special things happen. This this team could have been scary. It, let me ask you this, Mike: if if they were p- playing Florida this week, who would you favor right now? Georgia. Yeah. No hesitation on that one. That's what I'm thinking, man. So if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm I'm a I'm happy. I'm excited about the future, but I'm also a little pissed off that that we're that we had to force Kirby's hand to get to get these results. Mm-hmm. And right before half, George Pickens makes a just a tremendous mm. touchdown. Shout out to uh, I think it was SEC Network, ESPN, whoever. They they zoomed in on JT Daniels getting hit for some reason. George Pickens making the catch of the year. <laughs> and then the, the the first possession of the second half, George Pickens scores another touchdown, and that was it. I mean, that was the ball game right there. That flipped the the momentum of the entire game. So uh, let's kick it over to Kirby Shane talking about uh, you know if this was a statement win, it certainly seemed like he had a sales job here for a tight end that may be available out there. And then on uh, George Pickens' continued development in his pr- program. Yeah, Kirby, I uh, caught your post-game interview. You were as effusive as I've seen you in a while uh, after a game, win or lose. Uh, you I don't know, know what that means, Chip. That's too big a word. <laughs> very, very happy. Uh, you know, like you said, you, you talked about how proud just then you were of everybody. Was this in, in some ways kind of a statement game, you know, uh, from the standpoint of, uh, you know, people questioning whether you ought to be in the top ten and Missouri trying to move into second in the east, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and uh, and then you played like you played, especially in the second half. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's a statement game. I, I do know that our kids, you know, responded to that. And they, they, they get tired of the criticism, you know, because of the two games, the two biggest games we played in. We didn't play our best, but probably had something to do with who we were playing, you know. And uh, we, I, I think Missouri's a good football team. I really do. I think they got a good football team. It's growing, young, getting better. Um, and – you know, we were able to overpower them there, I think, in the second half. And early in the first half, we did the same. But they also created some adversity for us. And I think Eli's doing an unbelievable job here of getting kids to buy in. And he's, he's tough to defend uh, offensively. Uh, the weather conditions probably limited both offenses a little bit in terms of being able to do things. But, look, you can make you, you can make an excuse and say, well, Missouri's not that good. We're just beat. And you can say that all you want. But at the end of the day, those kids showed up to play and play physical and play fast. And they practiced really hard all week when across the country that's not happening uh, at every place. That's the way those guys handled it. Kirby, kind of piggybacking on that, how much confidence do you think the uh, the targets in the passing game have since JT's taken over? And then a, a young guy like Darnell, uh, when he was targeted there in the in the third quarter, uh, how important is it for him his growth uh, to to you know keep coming on like he like he seemed to do today? Yeah, I mean Darnell's Darnell's been a weapon all year. It's been it's been us trying to find ways to use him. I mean he he has a unique combination of size and he's a hard he's you know he's a tough matchup and. Coach Munkin really likes using uh, m- multiple tight end sets. It's done a lot in the NFL. And if you can mismatch people and, you know, have ability to run the ball, but then also flex them out and throw the ball, 
it's really frustrating. You know, if you go back to that play, the, the corner went over, the safety had to play Darnell, and he's saying, wait a second now, I got I got I got Darnell on a safety, and those guys don't cover for a living. And, uh, you know, he made he made a nice throw, but you can never have enough good tight ends in the SEC because they're big, they're athletic, they can catch the ball. There's so many things they can do. So it's it's one of those things that we want as many as we can get, and we want to get them the ball. Hey, Coach, I just wonder if you could just kind of address the chemistry that JT and George seem to have working right now. Of course, you mentioned George now healthy, uh, and JT uh, getting better, just kind of what those two are kind of doing together right now, how special that is for you to watch. You said Jordan and JT? I missed that. No, no, I'm, I'm sorry, George Pickens and, and JT. Oh, yeah, they, I mean, George is – I mean, he makes some of the – you know, every time you don't think he can catch it, he catches it. He finds a way to get the ball and catch it. And You know, George still hasn't reached his full potential. I think people just see him and think, Man, he's a phenomenal wideout. He can work on his releases and, and win one-on-one even more often. He's he's so good at adjusting to the ball with his body and catching it that he, he a lot of times he ends up covered just because he doesn't he doesn't necessarily release the right way, but he wins the he wins the one-on-one. And JT's got a lot of confidence in him, but JT's got a lot of confidence in Jermaine, Trey McKitty, Kieras. Um, we got to get the other guys to come along with that too and be able to help out. All right, Shay. So Kirby's fired up, and uh, you know, it, it almost seems like. I know the goal at, at Georgia's win the SEC championship, win the national championship, but it certainly seems to me that uh, Kirby is just fired up that uh, even though those goals were not met, his team didn't throw in the towel, they didn't tank, they they didn't have a bunch of opt-outs at the end of the year, they're focused, they're working hard, and I think that it gives them encouraging uh, head, encouragement heading into the offseason that uh, you know they're on the right track and he's got a bunch of good – good guys here that uh, take to coaching and and they're fighting hard and man we got something to build upon going into the offseason don't you think yeah definitely man this is this is all recruiting pitch here on out man this is but this is what this is what georgia does they 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 reload as well but uh, i i just i i like i like the direction of this team and if they can build off that yeah uh they could be a pretty scary program next year now flipping over to the other side, of Missouri. I think the, uh, you know, the biggest thing for them in this one, they just got stifled completely on the ground game. Even when they blocked that punt and they started in the first, you know, within, I think it was around the five yard line. It took them a couple plays to score because Georgia's defense was so stout. And you know, that's not to take away from Connor Basilak. He did have the one interception, but I don't necessarily put that interception on him. But uh, he finished the game with just 139 yards passing, and I don't think he's at the point yet, nor do I think Missouri has the receivers to carry them to a big win against an elite SEC team like Georgia. And this is kind of, uh, you know, I think this lets Missouri know how far they do have to go to to -hmm. compete for an SEC title, and that's not to, you know, that's that's nothing to take away from what they've accomplished because – Aside from the elite contenders here in the SEC, you could certainly make the case that uh, Coach Drinkwitz and his staff, they've outcoached and the players have outperformed the rest of the SEC when it comes to, you know, those teams trying to punch up and trying to, to reach that strata. So you got to feel that, uh, you know, once we get more reinforcements, once we have a better understanding of that system, Missouri is going to be able to take another step closer to, to making that leap, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, think about this, Mike. If I told the Mizzou fan in the offseason on December 12th you'd be a top 25 team, you would have hugged my neck. 
You know, I I think <laughs> I think they're in a good spot. They're in a good situation. They're fun. They're exciting. The tape is out. Uh, Eli's got something to work with. He he can go to a recruit's house and say, "Look, this is what we're going to be doing. I just need you. I just need a few more pieces to make this work to be competitive in the East." Uh, and that's what's scary for for like me as a Tennessee Volunteer fan is just the the just the tremendous growth that I saw this season with one year under Coach Eli. Just imagine if he can get some talent in there and, and build a, a program. I mean, he's got the pipelines up there in the state of Mizzou. I mean, if he can if he can get that thing rolling, then yeah, this is this could be a this could be a threat in the East. Hi, Coach. I, you alluded to this a little bit, but you guys have gotten so much done this year. But what what did you learn about your foundation? I guess today, and in terms of what you were talking about earlier this week. Yeah, I mean. I was proud of the way our guys fought. I mean, there was everybody was still trying to encourage everybody on the sideline to keep on going, but we're we, we're we don't have enough depth. I mean, we're playing with 59 scholarship players uh, right now. I mean, the NCAA gave us four four person penalty. That's pretty bad. That's a significant penalty. And then we've had transfers and opt outs, and we just don't have enough depth right now. We're gonna have to find a way to to manufacture some depth. Uh, you know, we've been able to do that when the offense is able to keep the ball, but. We weren't able to keep the ball away from them today and and uh, just exposed our defense. Eli, uh, this is the, the sixth time now in nine games that you've allowed 35 or more points. Um, defensively, is it a personnel issue, a coaching issue? that It seems like a high amount of points to give up on almost a weekly basis. Yeah, I'll have to evaluate it and look at it at the end of the season. I don't know. I'll have to go back and watch the tape. I wasn't aware of that statistic, so – you know, we're trying to do the very best we can. And, um, yeah, we'll have to go back and look at it. I don't know. It's a good question. Eli, you know, you mentioned everyone feels beat up. Have you ever been in a situation where at this point in the season, it feels like everyone is beat up to this extent? And when you're, when opponents are scoring 48, 49 points in back-to-back -back games, where do you sort of try to regain that last boost for one more regular season game and, and a bowl game? You know, we just got to dig deep. I mean, that's football. That's toughness. That's that's what football is all about. You know, digging deep, finding a way. We got to rally as a team, rally as a coaching staff. Um, we've had a hell of a season up to this point. I'm not going to let this game define the season. I'm not going to let today's disappointment. We didn't have our best stuff. I, that's that's part of it. Wish we would have played better. We didn't. You know what? Our guys have answered the bell every single time. They answered the bell in the fourth quarter on fourth down. I don't question their fight. I don't question our team's fight. I don't question our coaching staff's fight. You know, we're going to have to dig deep, get in the, get in the cold tubs, um, put a little grit, put a little toughness in there, go on the road and find a way to win. And uh, our team will respond. They've responded every game. We, we responded when we were down, uh, you know, had lost the first two. Didn't look pretty. We responded right there. Um, we'll respond after we, you know, got beat by Florida. We'll respond. I'm not worried about that. This team doesn't lack fight, just lacks bodies right now, lacks depth. So, We'll get there. We'll get it. It's <laughs> we lost, but hope's not lost. Like I told them, I'm disappointed in the result. I'm not disappointed in the team at all. So yeah, we got our butt with that. That's part of it, man. How you bounce back, that defines who you are as a person, as a team, as a coach. So yeah, I'm not gonna stress about it, to be honest with you. I'm gonna stress about how we can fix it, how I can get more than fifty nine scholarship players, but I can't fix that right now. I got two games left and we're gonna dig deep and we're all going to find a way to band together and win.
that's what we're going to do. All right, Shane, uh, let's jump to uh, Tennessee game. The, the battle for Tennessee, I guess you want to call it that. <laughs> the battle for Jeremy Pruitt's job. Tennessee crushes Vanderbilt 42-17. We are rotating quarterbacks in and out like crazy. Uh, they said leading up to the game that uh, Pruitt was going to do it by feel. And I said to myself, oh, Lord, here we go. <laughs> because he's right there with Kirby Smart when it comes for not having a great feel for who to play or why to play him or what's going on there. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I thought uh, the most encouraging thing potentially for Tennessee, Harrison Bailey, I thought by the end of the game, I thought he looked, I don't want to say outstanding, but I thought he looked great for a true freshman making his first career start on the road. And I know it's Vanderbilt. They're undermanned and they're in all this. And it's kind of hard to judge what they're doing based on that. But, you know, again, this is, this is what Tennessee homers like you want to see. We just want, yep. we just want something to build on. Mm-hmm. And he continues to show that you can play with this guy, you can win with this guy, or this is his first win. You know, this is what you needed. You needed to get over that that streak. We didn't quite get the running game we thought we were going to get. Tennessee did have over 200 rushing yards, which is good, but they mixed it up. They got a lot of young backs touches in this game. And how about uh, Valus Jones Jr., man? He's finally yeah. becoming a big-time threat for Tennessee and is at the transfer from USC at seven catches, 125 yards, and two touchdowns. And now we got to wonder where the heck has this guy been all year, why we've not been getting him the ball, because he looks like Tennessee's best overall receiver, I'd say. And J- Jalen Hyatt, I love – every time he – Catches a ball. It seems like he's a big play waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. He had 81 yards and a touchdown. So what I spiel on long enough here, Shane. What, what's your thoughts on Tennessee's win over Vanderbilt? Well, I was a little, I was a little worried myself about the quarterback situation, Mike. Not gonna lie, not gonna lie at all. In fact, when Harrison Bailey was seven for seven and he got pulled, I was a little upset about that situation because, again, as much as I like to. Uh, poke fun uh, a Pruitt situation and his decision-making skills. It just feels like sometimes he doesn't use his brain and and factor the that this is a young man that you know has it's a psychological position. I mean, other than a kicker, there's there's not a more psychological position than a quarterback. And and, and pulling him after he's doing pretty good. Uh, is is discouraging as a fan. I can only imagine what it is. Is he was like, I mean, was I not doing good enough? You know, and then and mm-hmm. then you sit on the sideline and watch JT do good for a couple of plays, and you're like, oh shit, man, I'm losing my job. Then you get back, back in there. It's just, but as you like you said, Bailey in there, it felt like when he was able to get back in, it just he, he started to the game started to slow down a little bit for him, which is encouraging. And you saw, Mike, you saw when this passing game opens up, the running routes open up. Eric Gray, 13 carries, 74 yards. Both of our running backs averaged more than five yards a carry. It was it, because they couldn't load the boxes like they could in the past. Um, so the passing game is extremely important. And I just, I don't know. I, it was nice seeing some of the younger players come in. You know, uh, I, I was a little upset that 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 this is the game that Jones has his breakout, and it's not not Jones's fault. I, the talent's been there the entire time. It's just we haven't been able to get him the ball. 
So uh, I did see a couple things on Twitter. A lot of people are wondering if he's going to be coming back. He's a senior, but you know, mm-hmm. in 2020, he he does have the ability to come back. Have, have you heard anything along those lines? No, I think uh, you know just about everybody around the SEC is asking, are these seniors coming back? Are these guys coming back? And I really think uh, a lot of these decisions are not going to be made until the season is over. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. we've seen that with the, you know, like the South Carolina guys, they had the, the three we hit on that announced they were leaving for the NFL draft. And I, I tend to think the vast majority of seniors are going to make that decision to go on. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be guys like Jones who, you know, he left USC for a reason and mm-hmm. he came to Tennessee to get the ball and it may have taken him eight games, but right. they're finally getting, they're finally getting him the ball. And if he can, you know, if he can get the sense that, you know, I don't think the NFL is going to be too impressed with me having two good games, but maybe if, uh, you know, the coaching staff makes a commitment to utilize me like this for the rest of the, or, or for the entire season next year, maybe there is something to be said for a player like that who. You know, I honestly I have no idea what his draft stock is, but I can't imagine, you know, that he's like a high pick or anything mm-hmm. after putting up all these yards on Vanderbilt. So maybe if he does this, what if he comes back next year and he's next year's Shy Smith? You know what I mean? So right. he does something like that, then he is a draft pick. So there's something to be said for that. And I, I think there's a real opportunity here for Tennessee to be getting a return of, of a playmaker who he may be their number one target next year. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, man. Well, uh, we, we clearly we got to acknowledge uh, history, man. Uh, our girls, she got some points on the board. Did you see that? Yeah, so, of course, Sarah Fuller hits the two extra points. And, man, I thought the funniest thing I saw after that was old cousin Shane tweeted out, <laughs> them balls made SportsCenter top ten. <laughs> I knew it, man. I knew when she came out there, I was like, of course. Of course, the first point she scores is against Tennessee. <laughs> I just the only thing I didn't like about the situation um, is they didn't let her kick the field goals. So that, that's it felt like a little, I don't know, that, that felt a little shady there. You know, it's like, come right. on, but you know. I thought uh, I kind of thought the you could tell by the reaction though from her teammates, yeah, that they have really embraced her and uh, have been supportive of her. So I thought that was kind of good to see. And then she came off the the field and uh, was taking smelling salts. I thought that was pretty <laughs> awesome because I, I think she was probably like, "Hey, I've I've heard about this with football players. Like, let me hit up some of that." So, I mean, I, it, hey, she's trying to fit in, and it certainly seems like she did. And uh, I just thought, that, you know, good for her. You know, I, I do that right before I hit the buffet line there at Golden Corral. Just <laughs> get my mind right, Mike. <laughs> All right, well, before we move on, let's kick it over to Jeremy Pruitt real quick. Talked about uh, the QB carousel here and, and what in the hell he's thinking with mixing these guys in and out of the lineup on Volusia Jones J- Jr.'s emergence. And then one moment we didn't talk about, Bryce Thompson's incredible pick six. Oh, yeah. This was the turning point in the game. Tennessee was losing, believe it or not. It was 7-10 uh, to 10 at this point. Bryce Thompson, pick six, put Tennessee ahead. They scored 28 consecutive points. They got all the momentum. They won them the game here. Uh, So let's kick it over to Pruitt. 
Jeremy, can you talk about the decision uh, to replace Harrison with JT in that first half? I guess it was right after the turnover, but it was also after Harrison had gotten out to a seven for seven start. Was that a, a planned deal there? Well, no, we, we kind of went with the, <clears throat> we kind of went with a, a feel for it there. You know, <clears throat> let me tell you, Harrison's not going to do anything but improve, right? Um, and, you know, that on the, the, the fumble there, uh, lots of things that he needs to work on. It's not um, knowing what to do or where to go with the ball. It's, it's how fast that he plays, and that's normal for a guy that's going into this league. Um, so <clears throat> we had a plan to play uh, JT because he, he's played really well last week and uh, just to see where he – to see how he would do uh, this week. We thought he did well. You know, we decided to go back with Harrison at halftime. And, um, and gave them both opportunities, but they're both young players. And the one thing that they missed, um, you know, with, with fall camp is the opportunities to play in live situations. And the way the season started early, it didn't work out that way. So we're giving them both opportunities. Jeremy, with Bayless, you know, producing a lot more the past couple of weeks, has he just, you know, gotten more comfortable out, out there or, or just gotten more in rhythm with, with the offense? And are you still hopeful you can, you know, convince him to come back next season? Well, I think there's probably a lot to that. You know, uh, Bayless got here at mid-year, but only with, with two practices. It didn't – that didn't help him, obviously. Uh, you know, in the way uh, fall camp was for a lot of those guys, it uh, really enabled, it didn't give us a, a great opportunity offensively, especially in the throw game, uh, to create chemistry. Uh, but – Again, with the extra time, it, it, it's helped with Bayless. Uh, and you see him gaining more confidence. And uh, he's more than just a, a return guy and a, a, a rocket sweep guy. He's a guy that's developing, um, you know, in, into a, a good route runner and catching some balls down the field that can create explosive plays. Catching some contested balls. He's done it the last couple of weeks. Jeremy, how important do you think this victory tonight was for you and, and your tenure here? Well, the, the, the wins and losses are, are – really the losses are about me and the, and the wins are about the players, you know. Uh, I didn't play any plays tonight. These guys went out there and uh, worked hard. and They worked hard all week. It's good to see them uh, get a chance to be on top. So, um, you know, I thought our, co our coaches have done a really nice job uh, keeping them, keeping them kind of moving in the right direction. You know, we've got a really young team. And these guys, um, the way they practice and compete, uh, they're going to they're gonna continue to improve and get better. It's one thing about it. Not, nobody wants this to be their, their last game at Tennessee. I'm talking about players. They, they want to play. They want to play for a long time. So as long as we keep having games, it gives them an opportunity to improve as a football player. Yeah, Jeremy, is there an element of, of playing both JT and Harrison that's just kind of an early audition for, for next year? I mean, does that factor in at all to when you're rotating those guys in, getting a look at both? Well, when we decided to go with with uh, Harrison and, and JT, uh, and, you know, Brian got hurt tonight. He made a nice run down there. Um, you know, we, we, we're, looking, we're looking for the future, right? Uh, you know, we, we kind of – stayed the course through the season and uh, the way the, the stop and start and getting these guys called up a little bit gives us an opportunity. So, um, you know, just felt like it's the right thing to do, just looking at how they practice and perform. Um, 
it's not a whole lot of difference in any of them, really. Uh, so getting the opportunity that that means a lot for for these guys to get some live action. All right, Shane. So it'd be pretty interesting if uh, this is a guy that uh, Pruitt in Tennessee took a gamble on. If you remember the backstory, he was a longtime South Carolina commit and he didn't get to come in. And then this was uh, the same guy that attacked a door or something like that. And, <laughs> yeah. And people are saying, we got to, what the hell? We can't have people attacking doors. But uh, here he is, continues to emerge. He wasn't even supposed to to play limited, only playing on third downs because he's banged up. Yet here he is making game-saving plays. Who knows, could have been game or coach-saving plays here. Kind of similar. I I don't want to put it in the same category as Coach O and LSU beating Florida, but maybe this is a moment we look back on and say, remember when this happened? Tennessee is, is, is really on a roll since that moment. So who knows? I mean, this could be a big moment here for, for Coach Pruitt and Bryce Thompson and, and the future of this program. That, that was a huge one, man, um, because it felt like this game – I mean, this game still was a little sluggish throughout the whole thing. <laughs> I made the joke that, that they needed background music to, to, to watch this thing. <laughs> but, you know, that Bryce Thompson interception, man, not only was a spectacular play – in fact, at the time, was the best interception I've seen in a long, long time until LSU told me to hold my beer for a second, you know. <laughs> but this was it was it was a turning point in that game. After that, it was it was they were it was Tennessee's ball game. They never looked back. Um, so definitely definitely could be the turnaround. You don't want to lose to Vanderbilt. Losing to Vanderbilt, you lose your job. So I, I think it was important that Pruitt came out here and, and not just have a, a win, uh, not just an eek by victory, but forty two seventeen. I mean that's impressive. Compared, I mean, if you think about what Tennessee's been able to do. Now, that being said, Vanderbilt did limp into this game. I mean, we got to acknowledge that these kids, I mean, you, you think Mizzou was struggling with numbers. Nobody's struggling with numbers as much as Vanderbilt is. I, I think they had 15 kids on the sideline. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, of course we were expected to win this thing. But this is also good for moral uh, this is a good moral victory going into next week. I mean, we got a tough matchup with Texas A&M. Uh, I feel a little bit more confident in that game. Not that, not that I don't think Texas A&M is a better team, but you know these guys needed a victory. This locker room needed this win. So uh, I think it's 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 a huge uh, it's a huge win for them. All right, final game to hit on. Let's do this one quick, Shane, because my goodness, it was a snoozer. Auburn goes on the road, beats Mississippi State 24-10. to And uh, there was plenty of jokes about this being another 3-2 to Auburn-Mississippi State game throughout. I mean, it was 3-0 to after the first quarter. It was 6-3 to at halftime. It was 9-3 to heading into the fourth quarter. <laughs> I mean, this was like yeah. two teams that, uh, that you know, couldn't even get out of their own way. I mean, plays were, were there to be made all night. They weren't making them. Uh, for, for whatever reason, Bo Nix threw it 32 times. Will Rogers threw it 51 times. And this is uh, like just coaches, you know, just beating their heads against the wall. I know this isn't working, but it's going to work eventually. And it, it never really did until, you know, Auburn, you know, had a big 15-point fourth quarter. And, man, once you put up one score on this one, it seemed like that was going to be the end of the, the, end of the game. Mm-hmm. And it was for Auburn. And, this is uh, this is one you're gonna want to forget if you're one of these fans, and 
And I think uh, clearly the Auburn administration, we already talked all at length about Gus Malzahn, but they weren't happy with this one and, and it did Gus in. So uh, just, just a, just a, just a terrible game. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Anytime you got 11 punts in a game, it's not fun. You know? <laughs> it's just, it's just not fun. This this game was, you know, and that's that's the thing. A lot of people will look at the box score and they'll say, oh, man, I can't believe Gus got fired winning 14-10. But like you said, this was a game that was not out of control until the fourth quarter. Uh, I mean, the, we're talking the 10th minute mark is when Seth finally got that touchdown from Bo Nix. So at that point is when you could finally breathe a little bit as an Auburn fan. This was just a sloppy, ugly game that – you know, that you just – I didn't watch. I ain't going to sit here and act like – I turned it over here in the, the second half to watch this game, Mike, and I was very, very disappointed. I think uh, the the main takeaway from what happened on the field, Shane, have you seen the, the viral video that was going around? Mississippi State defensive back Martin Emerson just jawing at Seth Williams, and, you know, he was really getting into him. You know, I got no problem with that. I mean, that's that's football – and he mm-hmm. was not crossing the line or anything. He didn't hit him or anything. But, you know, this was all while they're lining up. And then Seth Williams, this was the moment he scored the, the touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> so he's getting jawed at the entire time that Seth Williams goes 32 yard for the touchdown right on him. Yeah. And Seth Williams got him, tagged him back right after that. But, I mean, that's that just set it all for this game. I mean, it's like one, one dog talking and then a tiger just – Getting the yeah. last laugh on this one, and uh-huh. and again, probably the most memorable thing from this one will be Gus's last dance there in the locker room. Oh, I know, man. Somebody done that yet with Garth Brooks? I may get on there. That's a good one. <laughs> you good, Mike? Sometimes I'll just slow it down and put a little little Garth Brooks to it. Now I I saw it, and then uh, somebody was tweeting uh, the video of of uh, what's his name, the Arkansas coach uh, Morris. His last uh-huh. dance, you know. So you got two of them in there. <laughs> All right, last thing, Shane, before we hop off here, I know you got uh, some dinner sitting there, probably, yeah. probably staring at it. Yeah. Uh, let's <laughs> let's get <laughs> let's guess the opening lines real quick before we hop off here. You ready? Okay. Yeah. All right, Shane. First game up, your Vols, ten, Texas A and M at Tennessee. What'd you have for this one? Oh, man, I had A&M minus 17. Ooh, I said Texas A&M 14 and a half, and I win this one. It opens as Texas A&M as a 14-point favorite Ooh. on the road, Neyland Stadium. Nice. All right, how about this one, Shane? Vanderbilt at Georgia. Uh, close game here, Mike, but I think I gave <laughs> Georgia the edge there at minus 31. I said Georgia minus 28. And neither one of us was really even close, Shane. Georgia, I've never seen an opening line like this in the SEC. Bulldogs favored by 40. Golly! <laughs> Man, let's put some money on that, Mike. I mean, they might they might win by 100. You know what? Well, I, you know, and it's sad that I, was, I, I joke. I said that, and then I gave it a second thought. I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, 40 <laughs> points. <laughs> Sorry, Mandy. Oh, man. All right, next game, Missouri at Mississippi State. So what would you have for this one? Uh, This one, I I went back and forth, and I think I'm going to give Mizzou the edge at minus four. All right, well, I had it as uh, Missouri minus eight, 
I was feeling pretty good about it, but you win this one, Shane. Missouri, believe it or not, opened as a one-point favorite. What's up with that? Well, I thought, man, I I just think these teams are going to pair well. So this should be a really good game, man. What time is this Mm -hmm. one? Uh, This is uh, a nooner, I believe. Of course it is. All right. (laughs) All right, Ole Miss at LSU. What would you have for this one, Another close one. Um, if you asked me two weeks ago, I probably had this thing the other way, but I've got LSU minus three and a half. Man, I went the other complete other way, Shane. I said Ole Miss favored by three, mm-hmm. and you nailed it. LSU opens as a four-point favorite ooh, ooh, ooh. at home nice. against the lane train. Nice. It's last game in Ole Miss. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> All right, the SEC championship game, Alabama versus Florida in Atlanta. What'd you have for this one? I have Alabama minus 13 and a half. I think I win this one, Shane. I, well, I said Alabama minus 20. It's Alabama minus 16 points. Oh, 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 oh. oh man, 16. Well, I mean, that's closer than some SEC championships we had. I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, we've had some doozies in there. I, I, I just feel so good. bad that uh, I feel bad that Florida lost, man, because I was looking for this to be just the yeah. epic showdown of showdowns. Maybe that's what they needed. I mean, think about this, Mike. I'm going it's ultimate spin zone here. Mm-hmm. Florida loses this game, okay? The meaning Alabama's like, well, shit, they lost to LSU. We smoked LSU. You know what I'm saying? You never right. know. They could they could start reading those clippings. All it takes is a little bit of that rat poison, as Saban says. And, and next thing you know, you're 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 in a damn ball game and you ain't ready. So maybe losing yeah. to LSU before this game helps them because they don't think they're as good as we all know they are. Kyle Pitts is supposed yeah. to be back, according to mm-hmm. to Dan Mullen, and you know they'll have nothing to lose going into this one. Everyone's expecting them to get their ass kicked, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that. That it happens and uh, will have us at least a good game. That's what I want to see. So, yeah, because we can't, we just can't have another dud SEC no. title game. Those no. are just no fun. You know what? No, we can't have another week like we had last. This, I mean, when our first two games, they were, 50, I mean, they were just blowouts, is what they were, and that was a rough start, man. Uh, I, I think this week we're going to have some really good ball games. I mean, you could tell by the point spreads there. Um, so I'm, I'm really pumped up, really looking forward to it, man. Uh, I just hope our picks aren't the same because I should have known, Mike, when we had the same picks, I was going to lose a shit ton of money, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> hey, last thing real quick before we get off here, yeah. Shane. Uh, I've We started up uh, – we've got T-shirts. We officially have T-shirts for sale nice. courtesy of uh, a company called Tee Public. That's T-E-E Public, like public school. And I'm going to put the, the links into the uh, the podcast notes. So if anybody's interested in a shirt, we've got shirts and we've got uh, uh, coffee mugs and pillowcases and, and phone cases and short sleeve, long sleeve, sweaters, hoodies, men's, women's, hoodies. We've got uh, onesies for babies. We got, cl- <laughs> I mean, we got it all. Just head on over to Tee Public. Again, those uh, those links will be in the podcast notes. And if you don't listen through the Apple podcast app, 
you know, reach out to us if you're interested. Happy to send over the links for all that. So, hey, we're, we're moving on up in the world, brother. And <laughs> we've had a lot of people ask about T-shirts and, and apparel and merchandise and stuff like that. So uh, I'm happy we finally got that done. I've already ordered some of the shirts, and I've, they've arrived. They're very good quality, I promise. We would not partner up with them if I wasn't happy with uh, the product they put out. And if anybody's got any questions about any of that, just reach out to us. Happy to help you out about those as well. Absolutely, man. They look good. I ordered a hoodie. Uh, it's on its way right now. They're pretty good price, too. So you jump on there. You can kind of mess around with the colors, pick what style you want. So uh, really, really user-friendly website. So uh, appreciate you guys jumping on. I hope to see maybe next year we can start seeing uh, some more shirts and gear and stuff like that at these ball games, man. Yeah, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Dude, we'll be sure to retweet you for sure, man. I, I love seeing the koozies. Don't get me wrong. That was just the first step. Now we've got some, we got some real apparel, man. We're kind of big cop, you know? <laughs> <laughs> look, Mom, we made it. So look at us now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. So I think that's going to do it, man. I don't want your dinner to get too cold. Um, thanks, as always, for hopping on with me here. We're going to have some great stuff. And don't forget, we got uh, the the signing period starts on Wednesday. So we're going to have a ton of recruiting news. I've already had people reach out to me saying, you know, you got to talk about Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, and they're stealing everybody's recruits. We will talk about that. But, my goodness, we just spieled on here forever. So we're going to get to that stuff. Recruiting time is here. It snuck up on us. But uh, we'll cover that this week on, uh, on on the next episode. But uh, thanks for joining me, Shane. I do appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go ball. second Mike I gotta step out of here where's mom at oh hey man thank you appreciate it you have a good one Never thought I'd get a Grubhub in the middle of a pod, did you, Mike? Huh?